My name is Lori Rousseau-Nepton. You are listening to the Root and STEM podcast, a podcast exploring issues and stories in STEM education. On this episode of the Root and STEM podcast, we explored the intersection of Indigenous and Western knowledge of the universe and how those two perspectives can be used together to deepen our understanding of the world above us. Hi, my name is Laurie Rousseau-Nette. I am an astronomer working at the Canada-France Hawaii Telescope in Hawaii. I'm originally from uh, the province of Quebec in Canada. I'm also a member of the Inu community of Pecotemilnoats. And uh, I study how stars uh, are forming in the universe. There's a, a lot of different tasks that uh, I have to perform. Uh, they vary from things like uh, interacting with students, colleagues, uh, actively doing science and research to um, helping people using our telescope, making their own observations. Uh, and uh, also there's a more technical aspect of it where we um, improve cameras that are on the telescope, the cameras that take uh, images of the sky. You know, I think when I was young, I was not necessarily fully um understanding how it was influencing my life in general um, but uh, as i grew older and i uh, got a better understanding of um, what inside of me uh, comes from the traditional knowledge and the traditional ways of thinking and what comes from a more western uh, approach or ways of doing and um although i cannot really distinctively separate them it's part of me <laughs> I can tell that uh, some some uh, of the things that I do have been influenced by one or the other. And um, when I do research, I've noticed that uh, I tend to be focusing on projects that might be slightly different than most astronomers. In the piece I wrote for the magazine, I was talking about the project Signals. And uh, this project was built on the idea that to be able to understand the universe, Uh, we need to uh, be able to understand the populations inside of it and uh, the stars, individual stars, um, and how they form and how they evolve. And um, for me, this is very much um, close to uh, a more traditional ways of thinking, um, just because um, when you look at how all the communities around the world, uh, indigenous communities, have looked into science and doing their own observation, they were a master into uh, observing over a long period of time, uh, complex systems in the environment um, with a lot of things that were interacting with each other. And they could fully understand how this was impacting their life and what was their role into this. And I think that it is so attached to what I do in my research. I'm trying to understand complex systems of stars forming in a universe that is gigantic. And, um, I'm seeing them a little bit like I see persons, you know, <laughs> influencing their environment. And uh, they're all different to me. And uh, I try to look as, as many as, as I can, as many of them as I can, uh, because they're all different and they, they, they can contribute differently. Um, so I think in some ways, I'm continuing something that we've started a long time ago. A lot of uh, project in astronomy focuses on, you know, proving that your theory is right. So you have an idea and you're like, okay, I'm gonna try to prove that I'm right. Um, I'm more 
sitting in a an observing uh, platform looking into this uh this sky and trying to let it tell me what's going on uh, and i'm listening and you have to really pay attention to details and uh, you have to look in all possible directions to know really what's going on so i think that one aspect is uh, is very de defining my project um, there are other scientific projects that also are based on that idea um, that you really need to be based on observations and long-time observations to, to really understand systems. And so I think that also considering stars as, the, as if they have their own personality is, like you were saying, somehow linked to uh, how uh, First Nations across uh, Canada, but also around the world, have perceived stars uh, from the Inu community. Um, we come from the stars and we return to the stars and uh, there's kind of like these two parallel worlds uh, that are attached to each other and they cannot be dissociated. Um, and when you die, you never really die, you just return there. Um, and I think it's beautiful. And it's also uh, very much true <laughs> with, uh, with how we, we see the role of stars in the universe nowadays. Without them, we wouldn't be here. and um the multiple generations of stars that have kind of succeeded each other have allowed us to be here and we're part of it uh, the atoms in our body are part are part of what was once once a star <laughs> and uh one day we will return to that as well so i think uh, intuitively uh their conceptions of uh, of this this kind of cycle <laughs> was right. Uh, so yeah, I think it's really beautiful to think it that way. So uh, when I was a student, I helped building a camera. Uh, it was the start of it, actually, because it's a special camera that was looking into the universe in a very different way. And I knew uh, by helping building it that this camera would be the best instrument, the best tool to look into newborn stars and galaxies. So as soon as it got on the sky, um, we call that moment the first light, when the first light come into the camera, uh, we started building um, this project, Signals. Uh, and I was leading it. And we described basically a project that would look into the nearby universe, our neighbor galaxies, and look at all the areas where newly formed stars are located. And there's a lot of those uh, areas around us. Um, and we wanted to gather thousands and thousands of them uh, because they are not necessarily in the same environment. Some are in the heart of galaxies where it's full of stars, full of gas, very dense like a city. And then some are located in the very outskirts of galaxy where it's quiet and uh, sometimes they're alone. <laughs> uh, and the stars then have different characteristics. They don't look the same. Uh, they're not necessarily made out of the same material, but they are not necessarily as big and they don't shine the same way. And so by studying thousands of them in all of these different environments, um, in 50,000 different regions, um, where we'll gather information on this whole process, what influence stars forming and how it impacts the way they are and how they will influence their own environment later on. Um, and it's part of a cycle because these stars eventually will die and, and then allow other stars to form. So it's a really big picture, uh, trying to understand a really big picture of how stars influence the evolution of our universe.
I'm talking about our neighbor galaxies, but uh, stars that we study in there are um, from one to two million light years away to about 30 million light years away. And a light year might not feel um, familiar for most people. <laughs> so it's the time, so how much distance light is going through in one year. And uh, light is going fast at 300,000 kilometers per second. So I'm not going to give you the big numbers here, but you can uh, you can imagine if light goes at 300,000 kilometers every second, and how much distance light can can go through in one year, then try to imagine 30 million light years away. It is very far away, especially the one that are at 30 million light years away. They might have died already when I'm looking at them, but as I see them, they're still very alive. Uh, just because the light has taken so much time to get to us. Being able to see far is a combination of having, uh, of course, a nice, a good camera, a good, a good tool to, to, to look into space, uh, but also gathering as much light as you can. And so that's why we're using telescopes. Telescopes are the tool that gather the light for us. They have gigantic mirrors that act like a little bit like a gigantic human eye, <laughs> um, meters across, you know, uh, that collect light from space. So this way we can see objects that we wouldn't be able to see, of course, just by looking up. Um, and they focus this light on our, our camera. And then from the computer, you see a, a little detection <laughs> of a star there. Um, so it's all digitalized now. Um, but without all of these tools, uh, our, our view would be limited to the very, very nearby um, objects. When we study the universe and we look far in the universe, we also, like we were discussing, looking back in time. And the more we look far in, 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 in our past, the more we notice that the universe was different at its beginning all the way up to now. And the beginning of the universe was uh, not at all like the universe we see today. There was no stars, no galaxies, just energy and gas. And with time, uh, universe, the universe um, expanded and started to form structures, galaxies and stars. And all of this happened uh, because of that strange force that surrounds us, the force of gravity um, and other forces, but mainly gravity. And when we look in the past, we see those first stars forming, those first galaxies. And then they get, the galaxies get bigger and they start interacting with each other. And while the stars are also transforming, uh, contributing to changing our universe by inputting new elements. Uh, and by elements, I mean nitrogen and oxygen, you know, all the elements that you can see on a periodic table. And without stars, those elements would not be there. Um, and... Um, and stars that are far away are hard to see because <laughs> yeah, um, uh, we don't have as much uh, resolution, definition to see the galaxies that are super far away. Uh, so our only tool to fully understand our stars were forming back then is to look around us and find areas around the Milky Way that look like the condition at the beginning of our universe. And so we're using these areas to study how stars were forming back in the days. 
And that will help us fully understand the whole process that led to the universe we see today. And even maybe understand um, the future of the universe, how stars will be forming in the future. So looking at an at area of galaxies that are a little bit more evolved, <laughs> we, will, uh, we will understand that. Uh, so the goal of Signals is really to provide the tools for scientists around the world to have a best, the best picture of star formation. I am proud to have earned my PhD, but uh, the fact that I am the first from, from the First Nation, first woman from the First Nation to have get, gathered it, uh, it wasn't necessarily something, uh, yeah, to rejoice about. Uh, I, I, yeah, I now feel like it is also a responsibility for me to make sure that there's more of us uh, in here. Um, and although it's not easy to go through graduate school and do research and, and earn, earn your degree, um, when you love to do something, it makes it so easy. And in in astronomy in in the first nation you have a lot of action you have a lot of astronomers that are doing astronomy in, in their backyard and they don't necessarily have a degree but they could and yeah although there's a lot of steps that you need to go through um to be able to earn a degree in astronomy um if you really love uh observing if you really love understanding your environment around you well, then maybe it is for you. And if you go through all of these steps, you never know where it's going to lead you. And I always tell people, you know, you have to follow that wave, um, that kind of gut feeling that tells you, like, this is, this is what I want to do with my life. I want to understand the universe. And, uh, and, and yeah, that means, <laughs> that means you're going to get to university and, and probably surrounded by people that are very different from you. But uh, afterward, it is so rewarding. And then you can bring back this information to your community, talk to people, and everybody loves astronomy and everybody loves to hear about it. And so, um, yeah, I, I think um, it is very rewarding afterwards. There's a lot of people that would love to do astronomy, but um, don't feel like it's a place for them or don't feel like they belong. Um, and uh, it has actually a name. It's called the imposter syndrome. <laughs> and uh, a lot of scientists, and especially if you're a woman or you're for, from a minority in science, uh, you will be afflicted by this kind of, uh, these thoughts that uh, you can't really avoid, that you're not good enough, that um, you don't belong, you don't, uh, you don't think the same way the others are thinking. And so maybe it's not for you. Uh, but you have to fight these thoughts uh, because at the end of the day, what you're following is your, your, your little inner self that tells you this is like super cool science. It's very interesting. I'm passionate about it. This is what I want to do. And all the rest, you have to shut it out <laughs> and, and keep it out of your mind. And just listen to people that encourage you and give you positive feedback. Um, and it's a very difficult phase. Uh, and I think everybody has to go through it. But knowing that everybody goes through that, it's very helpful. Uh, you know, and if you're not alone thinking that way and uh, yeah, it makes it more healthy in a sense. And, um, and then you can also talk, talk with the people around you or with uh, maybe someone that went through it. <laughs> so, so someone uh, who feels like the, they have this imposter syndrome, they, you know, they can um, totally contact me <laughs> if they want to chat about it. I would be happy to also share my experience with them. Uh, but it is normal.
and uh, I kind of want to say you still have to follow follow your gut and, and go through it. I want the field of astronomy to be more diverse. I want people from around the world to participate in this endeavor. We need uh, new young minds with different ways of thinking, different ways of seeing the world and different solutions to problems. And astronomy has still so many questions to answer. There are things in our universe, our universe that we don't yet understand. And um, to me, as a scientist, uh, knowing that one day we'll have an answer, maybe it won't come from me, um, but I, I truly believe it will come from the next generations to come. And uh, like we didn't know uh, from the beginning when we were discovering galaxies and, and how the forces interact in the universe, how these information would help us in our day-to-day -day life. Uh, and there's so many technologies that have been developed with that and also um, concepts that are helping the, you know, uh, humanity in general. Um, I don't know yet how these discoveries that the next generation will make in the future will transform our life. Um, and I hope it will be for the best of everybody. And um, uh, I think astronomy still has this role of kind of keeping everybody together. Um, it's the oldest science in the world. Everybody once was a, an astronomer in a, in a way. Uh, maybe we don't take as much time to look at the stars at night nowadays with every uh, kind of destruction we have. Um, but our ancestor did, and uh, they were really good at it. So I think we have to, we hold we hold that to them uh, that uh, to keep looking and keep uh, finding those answers out there. For more about space and science, check out the Root and Stem magazine at pingua.com or more episodes of the Root and Stem podcast.